Welcome to a special Thanksgiving edition of BYU Sports Nation, November 28th. I hope you are enjoying lots of food, lots of family, and lots of football. Alongside the one and only Jerem Jordan, who I am very grateful for. I'm Spencer Linton. Wherever and however you may be listening to us on Thanksgiving, thanks for making us part of your holiday. We're 64 shows in, and we have encountered some fantastic interviews and really insightful moments here on BYU Sports Nation. We'd like to share some of those with you as a way to show thanks for all of you listening. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun run so far, uh, and uh, on Thanksgiving we want to best out bust out the best of. Uh, it's been a tremendous day. Hopefully, this morning you got in a turkey bowl, you dominated, you put up, uh, you know, you had three touchdowns, you had twelve tackles, uh, you dominated. I hope that's the case. I hope you weren't injured, and I hope you saved some room for plenty of turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, all that pumpkin pie, all that. Favorite part of Thanksgiving, Jaron? What do you think? Uh, probably pumpkin pie. My uh, wife said, hey, uh, my dad likes pe- uh, pecan pecan pie. So we bought a massive one from Costco. I'm like, oh, my gosh, who's going to consume all this pie? <laughs> I hope someone does because I'm not. My wife, Brittany, makes an incredible key lime pie. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up pie. because What that- time am I coming over? Uh, how about uh, 8, bro? Sounds good. Okay, 8 o'clock. Are you going to be able to sneak away from your family, from the in-laws? We'll make it happen. Drive, drive 40 minutes to my place? Okay. You're right, I won't. Yeah, exactly. Steelers-Ravens, I think, will be on. I'm busy. <laughs> More than key lime pie and seeing seeing Spencer? Come I see. I, I love it. Okay. <laughs> that was going in a very bad place. Not in keeping with Thanksgiving Day. Uh, for me, it's the nap after the meal. You know, with football playing in the background. That's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Uh, also, turkey bowls. It's fun. No tackle football here, but a guy who did play tackle football and, quite frankly, excelled at it. So much so that he was named the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Former BYU great Steve Young. He made a solid second contribution to our show last week, helping us preview the BYU-Notre Dame game. We waited a while to get him back on the show, and Steve missed us. How about that? I'm really grateful you guys called me for a long time. I thought, I have so much to talk about with BYU. Where I'm, you know, I'm talking to my buddies about latest game and now you guys are calling me to come on the radio i love it just talk to you like, <laughs> give you the opportunity to voice all of your uh, thoughts and opinions yeah. <laughs> we like that well no i want to throw BYU basketball oh i got high hopes here high hopes i was in church uh i teach gospel doctrine in my ward and i turn around in soccer meeting and uh, the whole BYU basketball teams you know it's like these huge guys and my, my little kids like what who are these guys you know and I thought, I, I think that must be basketball. And I, and I saw Marty Hall's son, and I thought, oh, yeah, no, it's definitely basketball. And uh, and, uh, uh, and so we've met him after the you know, words and said hello and, and Eric and all the young guys. And, and then went over to Stanford and beat him up. And then it, it just killed me the other night because we deserved that one. Oh, that was tough to watch, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, you can tell. It, it, you know, everyone's, every, everyone's talking about us as oh, a great backcourt, young inexperienced front court, but that front court is going to get experienced really quick. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, that's fine. I was going to say two things. Uh, one, you can call, anytime you want to talk BYU sports, you please give us a call. We're doing this every weekday, so <laughs> you have the green light to do that. Secondly, because you did watch the basketball game uh, and you saw him go for 112, how excited as a BYU fan were you to see uh, a young team like that doing that? I, 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 you know, Coach Rose has always gotten the most out of everybody. That's one thing about his coaching. If whatever, you know, if our team's a six, get the seven or eight out of them. If it's a nine, you get the ten. He 
you know what I mean? Like, I always feel like they get the. And so here we have a young team, experienced backcourt. What's going to happen? How's that going to mesh? And I just get a feeling that if this team was going to be an eight, it might be a ten. You know, so I, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm one of those crazy BYU fans that gets too excited too fast. <laughs> don't we all? Uh, when you look at the when you look at the football game, Steve, what do you think of the matchup with Notre Dame and BYU's chances to go in there and win? I like it. Um, we're up and down. Um, I thought we'd play better at Wisconsin. Uh, Kaysom is going through. Uh, in, a, in some ways, uh, you know, it's first full lap, and um, these are all great experiences. What I love about him that I've seen this year, and I saw it, was it Boise the first time he played? What was it last year? when he Last year was Hawaii. Yeah, but what was the fourth quarter he came on? That was Boise game? State. Oh, sorry, yeah, Boise yeah. State, you're right. Yeah, so, so remember he went out the first couple of series and just the balls were flying around, he had no idea, and then all of a sudden I, he came on the field, and I, I remember thinking to myself, first of all, I was so desperate for any offense whatsoever. I was just like, you know, some, you know, maybe I was gleaning something. But I just, he, all of a sudden he set his feet and he said, look, I can do this. And he completed some passes and all of a sudden he made a big couple of runs. And by, in the next 15 minutes, he became the biggest threat that Boise State could have seen that night. And I thought that he had gotten some sense of capitulation from that Boise State defense by the, by the end of the game. Um, remember, we didn't go. We went for two, and I was like, "No, no, no! This guy is on fire." What I say about this is that's the microcosm of what I see this season. He makes mistakes. He has a horrible outing when he doesn't throw well, and you know, balls are flying around. And then all of a sudden, you get you see he kind of sets himself, you know, clenches his jaw, fixes the things, and then he gets better. And so, you know, early on the season, like, can he really throw the ball effectively? Can he be a passer? You know, he's, I know he's a great athlete, but can, does he have the the fingertips? to be a great passer. And then all of a sudden you say, yeah, I think he can be. And are there limitations still a little bit? But that could grow as well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold him uh, a ceiling on him yet. But certainly throwing the football, it's gotten significantly better. And you get a, and you get a sense that now he was on the big stage in Wisconsin, learned some things from that. I expect your question that he'll be able to play very effectively against Notre Dame. I expect him to play significantly better than he played against Wisconsin, and I think it's because of the nature of who he is. Things don't go well, he figures it out, he grinds it through, he takes accountability, and he goes and, and improves. And so to me, I think to isolate on the quarterback, but in you know, the pros it's certainly this way, but in college, especially at BYU, if the quarterback's playing well, the, the, the fact is, is that things go generally pretty well. So I, I don't need to isolate it just on one position, but I, 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 I can't help it in many ways. Steve Young joining BYU Sports Nation. And Steve, earlier this week, uh, Bronco Mendenhall mentioned that uh, the Cougars are making efforts with teams like LSU to schedule those big-time opponents. How do you feel about the independent state that BYU is in and the fact that uh, they're going out to, to try and line up games like LSU? I think I think you got to lean forward. I, I, I mean, there's, there's some calculus to it. You don't want to just you know have 10 killer games that you can't even, you know, play a tougher schedule than the SEC does. I mean, I don't, I, you got to be, you know, balanced a little bit. But, boy, I like leaning forward. I like expecting us to be uh, uh, competitive and, and beating teams that are, you know, I want to uh, develop that expectation in recruiting. You know, if you don't have that expectation coming from all levels, you, you don't need it. And, uh, you know, we went independent because we weren't satisfied and on many, many levels of the Mountain West. 
and part of that, in, you know, dissatisfaction is the scheduling. And so, you know, and, and our ability to kind of, uh, we had too much of a ceiling that we didn't like, uh, despite all, and in, in, in addition to, you know, the relationships and different things that were going on, you know, if we're going to be independent, then let's mean it. Let's, let's go for it. Uh, let's, and so I like that. And, uh, and again, within reason, uh, but I like the idea of, you know, uh, scheduling the best and then expecting it, recruiting for it, playing to it. And, uh, you know, let's, uh, I don't think that anyone wants to deny that uh, we have the capabilities of, of doing it. And I, I, I think this season's really tough. I mean, our recruiting efforts will be significantly uh, enhanced this year because of this, this season. And if we finish strong, um, you know, I think the most important thing that can happen in the, uh, in the program is in the near term, get into an, uh, uh, you know, a New Year's type of game or something that uh, extends, extends our uh, visibility. That's got to be our next goal. Uh, and I think we're playing to it, recruiting for it, and, and expecting it. And I think, you know, hopefully it'll happen. Well, Steve, we appreciate the time. And any time that you want to call this show or for big games, <laughs> teach BYU's basketball team gospel doctrine, feel free. <laughs> I don't know. They couldn't stay. I had a great lesson for them. I was going to get them, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it was it was a fun it was fun to see them. And you know, it's funny after all these years. Uh, I was like a well, not, I mean, I was kind of a giddy kid, you know, going out and saying hi, and, and you know, those are the big boys right now on campus, and I really enjoyed it. It was fun to see them and, and see them in different uh, venues and and say hello. So I guess I'm still kind of a. I mean, I, I saw Danny Ainge and, and Scott Rooney in a tragic tragedy that he had with his son uh, at a funeral last week. But I actually saw Danny Ainge and, and Alan Taylor and, and uh, Steve Craig and a number of other BYU basketball players, and I told them that the greatest moment of my BYU career was my freshman year when I was the assistant cowboy for Floyd Johnson, the, the equipment manager. And that was just, and I had to go, what I told them is I had to go clean up the, the locker room and all the towels after they were done after the game in a halftime, and that allowed me to sit on the bench. And so I saw the greatest after this year. This year will be the greatest, but the greatest BYU basketball season in history, yeah, 1981. <laughs> from and the bench. I'm sorry, 1980. From the bench. And then I said, for free, I cleaned up the towels for him. It's a towel boy. It was awesome. That is uh, awesome. You can't beat it. Okay, Steve, in 10 seconds, BYU beats Notre Dame if what happens? Jason Hill throws the ball well. There you go. Steve Young. Former NFL and Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Fame quarterback, and lifelong BYU Cougar, Steve Young. We appreciate the time, and we will talk to you much sooner. You do great work. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Bye-bye. Steve Young, also a basketball ball boy extraordinaire. How about that story? That was a great story. I enjoyed that a lot, that his favorite memory at BYU was that he got to sit on the bench of that of that team. And what's funny is for that year, he would have been a sophomore. That would have been the end of the sophomore year for him. So he wasn't playing a ton. Uh, and Jim McMahon was the quarterback, was a, a junior and all that. So that's a fun story from uh, Steve Young, who missed us. Yeah, how about that? And also said, you do great work. That, that's a that's highlight nice. moment. We're that's thankful great. That's for that great. on Thanksgiving. Up next, Lee Johnson. They call him Thunderfoot. NFL punter. He's helping BYU's kicking game get better in a hurry. We have a classic interview with Lee up next on BYU Sports Nation Thanksgiving Edition.
BYU Sports Nation back at it on Thanksgiving Day. You are listening to us live on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. We continue with our interview special here. Just heard from Steve Young. Some really good stuff from the former NFL MVP and BYU quarterback grade, including his experiences as a ball boy and also as the gospel doctrine teacher in uh, Northern California, uh, noticing the BYU basketball team uh, as they before they put 112 on Stanford. Really cool stuff right there. We move on to Lee Johnson, Jerem, and... Uh, you know what? To say to say the least, before this interview began, I thought it would be good, but I didn't. I didn't know it would be this good. He had so much personality. He's fantastic. He's trying to teach the BYU kickers, uh, you know, what he did. A long NFL career for him. One of the best BYU kickers ever, maybe the best. Uh, and he's he's helped Justin Sorensen uh, excel this year. I wonder if Lee Johnson's uh, playing in a turkey bowl on Thanksgiving. There are no kicks in turkey bowls <laughs> traditionally, but maybe he's got game. As a receiver or something. If you listened to us yesterday on BYU Sports Nation, we were trying to get uh, one of our analysts, David Nixon, to a turkey bowl, former NFL guy as well in the Manhattan Beach, California area. And Can you imagine playing with a linebacker? Or, uh, ju- or just an NFL player? An NFL guy? There's hey, a- we get, he's, I get David! You know what's awkward? Anytime you play pickup, let alone like turkey bowl is like the public pickup game that people play in all year, uh, the one time. The one guy that's way better than everyone else. It's like, oh man, I wish we had another good guy because then you guys can neutralize each other. But then I don't get passes thrown to me, or so, or or uh, in basketball, it's like, oh, they're just going one on one. Come on, man, distribute <laughs> it for the for the peons here. Yeah, you know. And David said, I, I kind of have to be the I have to play the cool guy and let him score a touchdown here and there. And pretend doesn't like, even matter. Pretend man. like it doesn't matter, but inside <laughs> it's ripping me apart. Lee Johnson, whether or not he's playing in a turkey ball, as Jerry mentioned, has a huge personality and has played a huge role in helping BYU's kicking game get better. To open his interview on our list of favorites today, we asked a former kicking and punting grade which team he wants BYU to see in the fight Hunger Bowl on December 27th. I want to go with Oregon. Is that, do I have a problem with that? I want to play Oregon <laughs> straight up. I don't enough of USC, Utah. We can demolish, demolish those guys. I want Oregon. I was just going to ask you which team you'd pick. Okay, so bring on the Ducks <laughs> and the Fight Hunger Bowl. <laughs> so I don't gonna... know. Maybe not. Those guys are dang good. They certainly are. Lee, they call you uh, Thunderfoot, 1984 All-American with BYU and a national champion. How much attention and how closely do you pay attention to uh, Cougar football these days? Uh, are, I know you're involved with the kickers, but uh, how much time do you have to just follow the program in general? You know, quite a bit. Definitely the kickers, but I definitely go to all the home games, watch all the away games. So I'm involved. I've got, uh, I'm a Monday morning quarterback like all of us. <laughs> are you a Monday morning punter and place kicker as well? Absolutely. I'm criticizing those guys, critiquing them regularly, and often in, oftentimes in front of them, so I'm okay. Much has been made of the help that you've uh, given the BYU kickers. Can you tell us the relationship you have with those guys and what you've done to uh, coach them? Sure. Uh, Justin, you know, I met Justin before he went to BYU as a senior at Bingham. Sure. And I'm an amazing kicker. When I first saw him, I couldn't believe what I was seeing uh, coming out of a, a senior in high school. Certainly, he... Uh, has let a lot of people down as far as what the expectations were um, going, you know, certainly into his senior year. But I think a lot of that comes comes along with the injuries he's had, which are real. I know a lot of people don't uh, buy into that, but they've been real. He's suffered great injuries with his back, and any kicker would tell you that you need a good, solid back. 
and a lot of confidence issues. I think Broncos struggle with them as well as the other coaches, rightly so, in a lot of ways. But we spent a lot of time this summer, two months to be exact, kicking competitively with the other two kickers on the roster. And uh, we went at it. I did not. Uh, I told Justin he's he's got to win a job. And the other two guys are going head on with you, and I'm going to report to Bronco who wins the competition over the two months. Wow. And early on, I was worried about him. He was not the best kicker. Interesting. He, Interesting. He's the best kicker, fundamentally strong technique. He's the best kicker. But he was not getting the best results of the other two guys. I'm not sure how you ins- yeah, I'm not sure how you instill confidence back into a kicker who's who's gone 6 for 12 his last season. He's already made two more field goals, 14 this year than he attempted all of last season. Uh what what did you see to uh help him gain that confidence back which is a really tricky situation. It is. It is. And a lot of it is just confidence It's the mental side of it versus the physical. You know, he does strike the ball well and he and he he started striking the ball really well towards the end of the summer. But it's really just getting in his head and talking through the things he's thinking about. Being a former kicker, I know exactly what bugs him and where his head is at when times go bad and when coaches are messing with your head or just whatever it is, the little things that you shouldn't have to worry about. And my thing to Justin, as well as uh, Paul Tidwell and Bronco, is the kickers want to be left alone. They don't need to be talked to. They know. And bottom line, let the guys play and do their thing. And if they miss, whatever, leave them alone. So the mental side of it we worked on quite a bit, but just ball striking and hitting the ball and knowing what he's doing. It got to the point to where I don't don't tell me, don't have me tell you what you did wrong, Justin. When you miss, turn around and tell me what you did, and then you become a kicker. When you can know what you did every single time, then you have arrived as a kicker. And he developed that, and uh, I think it's paid off. You know, the, the miss he had the other night uh, against Boise State, he went, what, what do you go, did he go three for four? Three for yeah, four, three yeah. Three for four, I believe, yeah. And the first miss was a 41-yarder, and it was the exact same thing I saw him do when we first started. He always hooks the ball when he's missing, and he did the same thing. And what I was so impressed about is how he adjusted and got back to what he knows he needs to do technically, and he just ended up hitting three for three after that. So little things like that that just help kickers, and only kickers would probably understand it because we are a little unique, guys. Lee Johnson, an 18-season veteran in the NFL, 259 games, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Lee, do you have a do you have like a bat phone you can signal into when uh, you want to get a quick message to to Justin on the sideline? <laughs> uh, it's funny. We were probably on the sidelines for the Utah game, and I just did not want to be near. Them. They don't want to be near me. I don't want to mess with these guys. <laughs> you know, if they need me, I have them call me. So there is my phone is always on for them, and I take it. I, this last week, I actually took a call from Scott. Our Lino, and uh, we chatted a little bit, but no, I'm always there. I am a true cougar, and I'll do whatever it takes to, to keep my guys going. And you know, I consider my guys a kicker and a punter, and the holding the snapper as well. I deal with all all four of those guys. BYU national champion, all American, and uh, NFL punter for a long time, 18 seasons. Lee Johnson joins BYU Sports Nation. So for two months, you you try out, you practice with these kickers. Was this something Bronco asked you to do, or you asked Bronco if you could do it? You know, his boy was playing on my boy's baseball team. And in June, I started messing with his head a little bit, Bronco's head, just telling him that, uh, you know, just going through Justin and telling him I'm going to make him the kicker that he we, that I thought he was and mm-hmm. that we all expected him to be. And we laughed about it during the games. And we had some fun. And I think we have a sandwich bet on it. I haven't hit him up on it yet. I don't wait the season. I wanted money. He wanted to talk sandwiches. So sandwiches. Anyway, so uh, I took it upon myself just to go down there with Paul Tidwell's blessing. And 
and just take these guys and they they bought into what I was doing every well the two two times a week sometimes three times a week we would meet and all the guys snapper holder and kickers would show up and I'd put them through the ringer big time ringer I mean we did not just kick like a driving range and kick in the same spot and every week we competed in different spots on the field we had situations every situation I would put you know, BYU, okay, guys, it's third quarter. BYU's playing Texas. We're down by three. You know, put those type of things on it. And it was, uh, I think it was something that I wish I had when I was playing. Someone to grab me around the neck and say, look, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Because every kick becomes critical. I think sometimes we, we're not driving range. You know, you're hitting balls. You're on your 30th ball. It's like you're just hitting to hit. Every kick was a game-winner type of situation. So they get their mind right. They get the feeling of what it's like to be in a situation because they know the next guy is probably going to or possibly could make it after he misses it. And I'm going to turn that into Bronco. I'm going to tell him what happened Love in those it. situations. So it, I think it helps. And, you know, maybe maybe in the end he'll blow up and he'll bomb out and I'll be the worst coach ever. But you know, for <laughs> now it looks like Justin has bought into some things and he's really hitting the ball well. That's yeah, working. What other kickers were involved in that and where did you do this? We did it at, at the, right there at BYU in the, uh, at the practice field. It was. Uh, Did you have Moose, uh, Moose, Moose Bingham, Moose. and Trevor Sampson? And Trevor, uh, yeah, Moose and Trevor were the two guys. Trevor came in late from I forgot Sac- Sacramento State or Fresno. So I forgot where he came in from exactly. JC transfer, and he came in a little raw, and uh, you know I had to work with with Trevor. I think we got a few things going. With Trevor, you know, Moose I thought was a, a good high school kicker. You know, Moose isn't super strong, but he's pretty dang consistent. Moose actually was leading out the whole time. The They're entire both... summer, wow. he was the percentage winner. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. He was the percentage winner until the last two weeks. And then just Justin, he's connected. We were able to identify some things mentally that he needed to do. You know, Justin's got these big, fat feet. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Or you've seen his butt. He's got a big butt and he's got a big body. He's the biggest kicker <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Bigger than Matt Payne? But, he, oh yeah, he's thicker yeah, than Matt Payne. He's, he's not as tall, Payne, but he's not as tall. But he's actually six two. I bet he's close. Anyway, his feet are big and beefy, and it's a lot of foot on a small football. So I would have to get him to, you know, our phrase was clip the ball. Just clip it, kind of like golf, and you kind of clip it off at the deeper off or whatever it is you're in. You just want to clip it with your foot. So we worked on a few things where he could come up with key phrases. That would that he could talk about or or say right before he kicks just to help him and I think towards the last two weeks those phrases started to make sense and uh, anyway that's kind of where we're at right now he hasn't called and, and I told him call him when you got a problem and he hasn't called the entire season so all is well Lee Johnson former NFL kicker 1984 All American and national champion here at BYU on BYU Sports Nation your comments prompt a question Lee. Who's who's the guy next year after Justin Sorensen graduates? I know that you said Moose was the percentage winner. Uh, are, are both guys, Trevor and uh, Moose, capable of taking the starting role? They have to be thrown in the mix. Kickoffs are going to be tough for both those guys. I, nowadays, the ball has to go 8 to 10 deep, if not out the back of the end zone. Both those guys will probably not be able to do that unless things change dramatically between now and then. And I don't expect them to just because they're grown men and uh, – you know, things don't change that much. But as far as, you know, a lot of times a punter will handle that kickoff job, which is what I did in the NFL. I was a punter, but I also did all the kickoffs and backup field goals. So in that regard, I think they're going to have to find someone to kick off. Yes, they, they're they're capable. They've got some work to do, but they're definitely capable of hitting 
field goals inside 40, certainly. You know, Moose, you get Moose outside 45, 46, 47. Things struggle. But, you know, notice Bronco, even with Justin, Bronco has chosen to punt um, multiple times, which kind of frustrates me. It's almost as if you're not yeah. showing confidence. Now, I know he did come up short, and I didn't realize it. I, I missed this game, or I was I forgot where I was, but he came up short on a 53. Is that correct? At the end of a half, uh, they they threw him in. I'm trying to remember which game. Was it Georgia Tech, I, think I believe? Georgia Tech. At the yeah. end of the first half, they threw him out yeah. there for a 53. And that just uh, – and I didn't talk to him about that. I don't know if the, the ball, the hole was fine or the mechanic. The fact that he came up short, I think he was straight, but he came up short. You know, that shocks me. He's got a powerful leg, so maybe he missed it, and I'll talk to him, find out now. But you got me thinking about it. I'm a little frustrated that he came up short. <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think they are. There's a new kid. There's a kid I worked out yesterday. He'll be on the team. Um, Cody, he's from, uh, I think he's from Arizona. I'm not sure which part of Arizona. He'll be a kid thrown in the mix. And we're going to do the same thing this summer. I'm going to put these guys through the ringer big time. It's just, i got to do it because I know it helps. And I'm sure they'll have another walk-on or two that uh, they're going to want to try. I don't know if they're going to give any scholarships or not. I don't know. Well, I guess they're up, right? For the fall of uh, 14, I guess there's – yeah, so we know who's coming in. It'll be all walk-ons, I guess. So anyway, yeah, I'll work with whoever's there. And Moose and Trevor are capable kids. Kids, listen to me. I'm 52. I'm calling them kids. <laughs> capable young men. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Scott's going to be back, the punter. And, uh, you know, he's he's – He's impressed me. He's let. He's disappointed me a few times. Yeah, what impressed me about Scott is, you know, he has these horrific punts, and then he'll come back and just bail you out like he did at Houston, and even against Boise, he came back strong. The last two games have, have been a little off for him, though, early on. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and a lot of it is his, uh, you know, he, he gets down on himself a little bit, like we all do as, as players, athletes. We get down on ourselves, but some guys handle it better than others. But Scott certainly has got a powerful leg. Very capable to, you know, I don't want to say go to the next level necessarily just because he's so inconsistent right now. But I think he could become a very good punter. You know, Riley was a great punter. He was awesome. He was very slow. I can't believe people didn't go after him and block him. <laughs> other punt. I've never seen someone be able to drink a cup of, uh, well, I can't say a cup of coffee, but I'll say a cup of coffee. And Post them is what more, the Mormon Post substitute, right? Hot chocolate. Uh, a cup of Senka. <laughs> anyway, it was unbelievable. I have never seen a punter be able to take so much time in my life. And that's, I think, why he was unable to take it to the next level. Certainly his leg was great. <clears throat> his ability to kick directionally was something that all NFL coaches love. i got to believe they were spooked by his get-off time from snap to kick. Now, maybe you could have sped it up when you spent three years uh, camping out back there to, to take your time. It's it's hard to, to make the move to kicking it under two seconds total get off to two and a half, two point seven. So under two under. is the goalie. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to go one eight, one one eight five if you got a rush. If you if you identify there's coming all out blitz, then you want to be able you want to be able to get it off. You're going to be able to get it off two three two four sometimes, but you never know. And they don't have this formation in the NFL where they have three. You know, towering infernos who are there to put up a wall, like uh, is common with college football these days. Certainly BYU. Lee Johnson joining BYU Sports Nation. Sorry, what was that? No, I was just saying BYU's got those three big guys, and I know a few other teams. Like Utah does it. It's it's becoming more popular in college, and I think they're able to do it because the guys at the line of scrimmage can take off. And the pros, you got to wait till the ball is punted before anyone can leave the line of scrimmage. And that really changes the game because these guys in college, you know, the second the ball is snapped, they can take off and they get two, two and a half seconds. What, they're 20, 
they might be 20, 25 yards downfield by the time the ball is punted. Very different. Hmm. Didn't know that one. Uh, Lee Johnson yeah. joining BYU Sports Nation. Enough about those guys. Let's talk about you. So I, I was looking up some stuff about you. Uh, so you have a you have an NCAA record still in the books. Do you know what it is? Uh, you know, is it the... All right, now you got me. Okay, yeah, best average in a game. Best All average right. in a game. 60.4 versus yeah. Wyoming on October 8th, 1983. You had five punts for 302 yards and an 80-yarder <laughs> in Laramie. <laughs> How the oh, heck did man. that happen? I did. I did notice it was sixty degrees, and so that barefoot was just fine, right? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. You know what it was? It was a well, for one, they're seventy nine, seventy five hundred feet above sea level, and to kick an eighty yarder, you have you need to have plenty of you need to be lucky enough to be able to kick an eighty yarder, so you got to be backed up. And uh, I, I crushed it. I absolutely <laughs> it was one of those perfect punts. I even think it went out of bounds, guys. I think it went eighty. Oh, wow, went out of bounds. It Where was the line 90. of scrimmage? I think it was, uh, we need to go back in the record. I think it might have been the 12-yard. I think I was in the end zone. <laughs> You're in the end zone. Somewhere in the end zone, yeah. You I pinned him inside this. the 20 from inside your own end zone. <laughs> the beauty of that game, guys, we were playing Laramie. And Laramie, they just got, uh, I don't know if you remember, the, the first time we got that really cool scoreboard. Laramie. I was negative 22 days old, so I do not remember that, Lee Johnson. <laughs> you were not. Yeah, you were a young pup. Anyway, they just got their brand-new million-dollar scoreboard, and on one of my PATs, I kicked it. And I hit the scoreboard and knocked out the lights. Best day of my life. Sweet. What a game. What a game. And I, I want you to know, when we found out you were going to join our show, Jerem Jordan uh, sent us a message and said, I'm, I'm going to take off my right shoe and sock uh, to honor oh, Lee Johnson. I did not do go. it because of the fear of the smell. <laughs> the <laughs> smell. Good when, move. Yeah. When, when did you, I know you've been asked this a million times, but when did you decide to go barefoot? Oh, man. Right before I came to BYU. I was kicking. I was walking on a BYU. Me and my dad were out in Texas. It was about 95 degrees in Texas. And I thought, man, I'm going to take my shoe off. And I kick. I took it off. And we kicked the, the rest of the day. And I was absolutely crushing. I couldn't believe the difference between a barefoot and a shoe. And not realizing that I'd be playing in Utah, where the weather does get cold. <laughs> Texas, it's always warm. But anyway, I, I just I, I stayed with it. Finally, in the NFL, I put my shoe on because we started playing. And you know, we play in December when you're Many games I've played when it's been negative, below zero. So I'm glad I did that. It's my third year. I put my shoe on, but it was—it's it really is. It's uh, what do I say? Bounce a basketball on the cement, and then go bounce a basketball on carpet, and see how the ball bounces, where it bounces better. It's the same idea with the football. When you make contact with the the top of your foot on their bony foot, it just it responds. The ball just flies off your foot. Interesting. Do you have a permanent yeah. callus on the top of your foot? Yeah, I did. When I was when I was doing it full time, it was all leathered up. It was great. I mean, you could torch it. You could put a blowtorch on it. I wouldn't feel it. <laughs> have you tried wow. to talk uh, Scott Arlano or Justin Sorensen into kicking that way? No. You know, I never would do that. It's it's not fun. You you suffer in a certain area. If there's any water on the field at all, if it's wet at all, you, you totally lose your ability to you know, that last step going into your kick, you have it's a drive step and you slip and you can't you can't build any power up. That's why I put my shoe on. I've started playing in Cleveland when I played for the Browns and every morning in training camp it was wet from the dew and I was just kicking miserably. And uh I decided to put my shoe on at that point because I couldn't get enough traction. So that that was uh, I thought my career was over really because I was a punter and a barefooted punter and I was doing my thing and I was drafted because I could 
crushed the ball, and now I put a shoe on. But it really extended my career because I learned how to become a real punter and uh, took a little off my distance, but that certainly helped my consistency. Lee Johnson joins BYU Sports Nation. We've talked about that game versus Wyoming in 1983. I noticed that BYU only punted 24 times in 1983. That's an average of two of games. So I'm wondering what you did for fun during that season. You know, I was just doing a lot of weeping and wailing. It was (laughs) it was tough. I did you know I did the field goals as well. I didn't kick many field goals, but I don't know if this is true or not. Now I do know that I led the nation with a 50.6, but. And it could have been a record. I'm not, yes, that is that still – one of your that's guys still, stats. Oh, I checked it. Uh, the, that's a team record still. That's the highest punting average in a season for anybody. In the NFL. In, the, in, NFL, in, in, in college football. Five. And the highest Why? net punting as well. So three what records happened? associated with 83 punting. I know, and, but they wouldn't give me any kudos because – you know why? 24 punts? Yeah. Oh, the minimum. Points. It was 25 minimum or something like that, right? I think you need 3.6. A game. Oh, I think the rule is you have to average at least three point four six or whatever it is. So Ooh. I thirty six punts. Yeah. Listen, so Lee, that four. season, whatever, it's still in the NCAA record book. I looked it up this morning. So you have three records associated with your junior season. They oh, live on. Man. They live on. I'll take it. They live on. Any <laughs> kudos? No honors. We'll give you kudos on BYU Sports Nation. Aaron, sound the uh, the birthday. Whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah, that's for you, Lee Johnson. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather like give, give him a rise and shout. Right? <laughs> there, that's Here better. You Birthday horn. What the heck? <laughs> oh. Yeah, like Jim Kramer on CNBC with all his little sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, we thank you for the time. Great insight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Go Cougs. How great was that Wyoming story? And breaking the scoreboard. Just another reason for our close friends in Laramie to dislike BYU. Yeah, Laramie's been picked on quite a bit as BYU's gone into independence. If there's one thing that people don't miss, it's, oh, playing in Laramie. (laughs) It's become a cliche now. So sorry to the people in Laramie that are listening to BYU Sports Nation, but great story from Lee Johnson, and I hope he continues to kind of tutor the BYU kickers throughout the years. I I have a friend that lived in Laramie and said, I loved it. I loved it because there's nobody there. I liked it being quiet. If that's your scene, that's a great place. Time now to quote Lavelle Edwards. I'd rather lose and live in Provo than win and live in Laramie. (laughs) (laughs) It's Thanksgiving. We are BYU Sports Nation, and we continue with our interview special next. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, a Thanksgiving special on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out. We have a Super Saturday approaching after Thanksgiving. 2 p.m. starts with our signature pregame football show. We call it Countdown to Kickoff, and the mastermind Jerem Jordan is the one that produces it. Heck, heck yes. 4 p.m., Women's Hoops versus Arizona. Then 6.30 Eastern, the BYU TV Sports football postgame. And then 9 p.m., huge game for men's basketball against Utah State live in Salt Lake City at Energy Solutions Arena. It's a super Saturday. The Cougars trying to build that NCAA tournament resume after another tough loss to a ranked team in Wichita State on Tuesday. They can certainly do that against undefeated Utah State. As Jerry mentioned, neutral side Energy Solutions Arena for the Cougars and Aggies. Also, speaking of BYU and Utah State, they just announced a two-game extension to the football series yesterday. You heard it first on BYU Sports Nation. The games will take place on September 29, 2019. 
2017 in Logan at Romney Stadium and return to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo on October 5th of 2018. So that rivalry series getting a couple of more games. BYU leads the overall series 46-34-3. and Jerem, how do you feel about that uh, rivalry series very quickly? I think it's good. I think it's really good uh, to play Utah State and to play them every year. It's fair to play a home and road and alternate that. It used to be two for ones. By the way, this is the week that BYU used to always play Utah, and I've kind of missed that this week. It's Nevada. That's nice. But it's just not the same. It's not Utah. And so when BYU can, in fact, get back to that with Utah, where it's the end of the year, and that doesn't happen until 2018 when BYU plays Utah November 24th, that's when uh, the, this you know, Thanksgiving or the week after tradition of playing Utah will be restored. Before we continue on with this interview special, and coming up, you're not going to want to miss this with quarterback John Beck. Kyle Van Noy has his swan song, if you will, playing in his hometown of Reno, Nevada in the regular season finale. And on Friday, we will have a very special guest joining us to reminisce about Kyle Van Noy's upbringing and uh, where he came from and and where the legend began. So you don't want to miss that on Friday's edition of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, While you're out... If you're a man and you're with your wife doing some Black Friday shopping, hey, take your phone with you. Listen to us on BYU Sports Nation. It's going to have uh, going to be a jam-packed hour. And if you're a lady, one of our lady listeners, hey, what better way to keep yourself entertained uh, while you're waiting to uh, try some stuff on in the dressing room or waiting in a long checkout line there? Uh, tune in. Not going to want to miss it. Kyle Van Noy special as we look into his past. Now we continue on with our interviews. John Beck. I say those two words. Jerem, what do you think about Find this guy! Absolutely. Touchdown! I was hoping you'd go there. 2006, BYU-Utah. The rivalry week, and who better to speak with than one of our legendary quarterbacks, John Beck. All things red and blue discussed, and why this is a can't-miss rivalry. Well, I think it always matters, especially within the state. I know, you know, growing up in Arizona, I grew up with the Arizona-Arizona State rivalry is the biggest one. But once you experience the BYU-Utah rivalry as a player, you know, now when I think of rivalry, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I don't think there's anything better, especially from a player standpoint. And knowing now, I believe, aren't they going to go on a two-year hiatus, right, of not playing? Yes. Yeah. So this is going to be the last time that these teams see each other for a few years. For those guys that are like sophomores on BYU's team, this is it. This is their one opportunity to play Utah because they're going to go junior and senior season not playing them. So for for sophomores on both sides, this is it. This is their, you know, one game. John, it's an obvious question, but when we have to go there, the 2006 throwback to Johnny Harlan. We had Johnny in studio a few days ago, and he gave his uh, gave us his insight into the play. Was it all part of your master plan to roll to the right, draw everybody back uh, <laughs> with you, and then sneak it over to Johnny? How did that play develop? You know, the play in itself was just kind of backyardish. I think that's the word that I used right after the game. Um, and it really did play out like that. The only thing going into the play, I felt really good when we broke the huddle that something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to be. But, you know, I had been in some situations before where we had come up on the other end. Uh, and I felt like having gone through those experiences and having been able to learn from them, I felt very prepared for whatever I could do, I would find something. And my only thing was just as long as I can stay moving and stay on my feet and give my time guys to work, something hope would pop open. Now, I didn't anticipate having to, you know, 
shuffle to one side of the field, run to the other side of the field, throw it back across the other side of the field. There's no way I could have, you know, thought that that would happen. But that's the way it played out. And, you know, I called Johnny every year and thank him for going against the scramble rules and running the other direction. Because realistically what Johnny did there is backwards from everything that you're taught in practices when you do what's called scramble rules. When the quarterback moves, you flow towards the quarterback, either downhill downfield, but you throw, you, you move to the side the quarterback's throwing to. So for Johnny to sneak where he started on the right side of the field and end up on the left side of the field, and I'm sure that's why the defense just had no idea he was back there, because everything flows towards the quarterback, and as defenders, I'm sure they're just trying to keep a feel for who's flowing towards the quarterback, and then there's, you know, Johnny going the other direction. So it was great what he did. It was great how it all ended up. If if you throw it to the side you're on and Beck's over there or uh, Harleen's over there by himself, we'd be laughing at how silly that might have been. But yeah, it ended up really awesome. Uh, uh, Spencer and I worked uh, at a local TV station at the time called iProvo, and our our uh, producer there, Dan Ransom, he took the photo from that game where you're on your back in the lower left and Harleen's on his knees. I've got that blown up in my kitchen, like <laughs> three by four by three or something I don't know it's awesome but at what point when you let go of the ball did you realize we did it right when I jumped to throw it I knew hey like if this goes like game's over we we, we win but when I got hit and I was falling so far the other direction actually when I'm hitting the ground I grabbed a hold of my legs to try to see through my legs because I was worried that it was when I, when I saw Johnny go to his knees for a split second, I thought, oh my gosh, this ball is either not going to get to him or he's going to slide on his knees and be one yard outside the goal line. You know? That would be the worst um, situation ever. <laughs> I know. But when he caught it and stood up, I knew we just did it. I mean, so really right as I jumped to throw it, and of course in my head I thought game winner. But then when I got hit and I went to the ground and I saw him go to his knees for that split second, it kind of held my breath a little bit and then. Obviously, it was just pandemonium after that. I mean, you know, just our whole team erupted. I'm just like jumping into players' arms. It was, you know, it was awesome. But there was a split second there where I'm like, oh crap. Hey, John Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here on BYU Sports Nation. After that play happens, there are a number of crazy events that happen. Can you talk about the media blitz, namely, uh, that, that occurred after you, you hit Johnny for that throw? Well, I couldn't believe how fast they got to the field. Um, I mean, I had I, I jumped into a few of my linemen's arms, and then I kind of started walking towards the end zone, and Mark Atawaya, who was our assistant running backs coach at the time, came over and just gave me, like, the biggest hug. And then Jason Beck, who was my backup at the time, who's now the quarterback coach, he was just grabbing me like, that was amazing. And all of a sudden, boom, there's, like, microphones right in front of me. Um, and it was like, how did these guys get on here so fast? And then, I mean, I'm doing interviews, basically. The referees are, like, blowing their whistles, and then our, our wideout coach is, like, running out on the field screaming, we still have to do the extra, like, we have to line up and take a knee for the extra point. And, like, I'm giving interviews as the coach is, like, talking to me. I mean, it was just, it was amazing how quickly the media got onto the field and was just all over the place. John, I covered the San Diego Chargers for three years in Southern California. had an opportunity to get to know Eric Weddle pretty well, and, and we would joke about that game, and he'd said, you know, that one, that one still stings. Every day I think about that, but he always said, I'm happy that it happened for John. You guys had a nice conversation after the game. What happened between you and Eric Weddle? 
Well, I mean, Eric, he's one of the most unbelievable people I've ever met. You know, I always tell him, I say, Eric, dude, I, I don't know how you were able to do that after the game. Like, I've been in games where I've had my heart ripped out, and you don't feel like sitting there saying, you know, yeah, that hurts, but I'm pretty happy for the other guy. So, I mean, it takes an impressive person to be able to do that. And, you know, the, the conversation that we had walking down the field, people ask me all the time, what did you guys talk about? And actually, it was about fishing. Because <laughs> no way. Earlier, yeah, because earlier that summer, um, a friend of ours, Dan Beardall, who kicked for Utah, and he was a friend of mine, a friend of Eric's. We were going fishing together, me and Dan. And he's like, hey, you know, Eric Weddle called me, and he'd like to come fishing with us. And I, I said, no. I said, I'm not going to let Eric Weddle come fishing with us. Like, we're going to be playing against each other. He's like one of the main guys on their team. I'm the quarterback of my team. No, I'm not, you know. So anyway, when I like have my hand on him and he has his hand on me, and we're, and we're laughing. We're saying, well, I guess we can go fishing now that this is over. Oh, <laughs> that that is fantastic. That that story is priceless. That's great. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. You know, I mean, Eric and I joke around about it because we still haven't gone fishing together. We live by each other here in San Diego. And we keep saying, sometime we're going to go. But that's right. You're in the same just, city. We, yeah, so we've had our families at the beach together and. We bump into each other sometimes golfing, but, yeah, no, we haven't gone out fishing yet. Who's the better golfer, John? I know Eric's like a six or an eight handicap, isn't he? Yeah, no, he'll dominate me. I'm <laughs> Listen, if I was a golfer, I wouldn't be going surfing in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. We're t- uh, chatting with BYU, uh, former BYU quarterback John Beck. Uh, so I looked up the play and just reminded myself of a few facts here. I want to throw out some trivia to you and see if you know some, some stuff about the BYU-Utah game. I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Name the five receivers on the field on the last play. Uh, Matt Allen, Bryce Malika, Zach Colley, Johnny Harleen, and Curtis Brown. Correct. Not nicely done. Who lifted you on his shoulders? Uh, Jake Bauer. Yes. How many TD catches did Harleen have in the game? I think one, two, three. Three. John Beck is three for three. Three. How many TD passes did you have? Four. Correct. And passing yards. Last question. How many passing yards did you have in the game? Oh, jeez. Probably like 375, 378. <laughs> 375. <laughs> nailed it. John Beck, five for five. He's still got it. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what's the bad thing, guys, though? You can ask me those same questions about the TCU 51 to 50 overtime loss, and I can answer I can answer everything about that one. You can ask me the Boston College overtime loss. I can answer everything about that one. You ask me any of the ones in my pro career. Sometimes it's good to have a good memory, and sometimes it's not to have a good memory. I wish I could forget about those things. Uh, speaking of your, your career right now, John, I know you recently had a couple of tryouts. It uh, looked like you may get onto a roster. What are you working on now, and, and what's the future for John Beck and his family? I'm still believing. Uh, I'm actually heading to a workout right now. I, I still train all the time. You know, it's definitely been a roller coaster that I did not expect, and it's been a very hard one on myself and my family, but... You know, so is life. I think one of the biggest things I've had to kind of learn is I've learned a lot about myself, kind of a lot about perspective of things in life. You know, I still I still want to win. I still want to play. I still believe that I can do it. Um, I've had to learn a really hard lesson of not looking back in the past and only looking forward to having no rearview mirrors. It's been, it's been hard. It's been one of the biggest challenges because when you enter, you know, like when you get drafted high, you don't anticipate being the guy that gets drafted to the worst team in the NFL. You kind of think, well, if that happens, it's probably going to happen to somebody else. You know, you never, 
Never in the history of the NFL had a coach ever been fired after one season, and there's no way you think that you're going to be the guy that gets drafted to the team that cans the general manager and head coach right after the first yeah, season. Yeah, how do you prepare for a that? Lot of those, you know, it's been a lot of those. I never thought that when I worked for all those years, believing something good was going to happen, and then I got named the starter for the Red, for the Washington Redskins. I didn't think I was going to have five of my ten starters around me injured that are keep. You know, it's just it's been a, a weird one because it always seems like, wait a second, why in the world is all this stuff happening? But at the same time, though, um, I've learned a lot of really good lessons, and I still love playing football. I would give anything to be able to get back out on the field right now, and I'm just hoping and praying that I can catch a break and something can happen. I, I thought it might have been the Buffalo thing when I got the phone call. They told me I was going to go play in the game up there. I thought, wow, this is going to be awesome, and then. From the time I got on the plane to the time I landed in Buffalo, some things changed um, with their decisions. So, you know, you can only do so much. You can only control so much. And as bad as I want it and as much as I've worked, I still want something to happen. I still think maybe something can. So the dream is still alive. Hopefully I can catch a break. John, you accomplished so much in your career at BYU, and you obviously understand Coach Mendenhall and what he does. Given that backdrop, have you been able to talk to Taysom Hill at all and uh, kind of talk to him as he progresses and starts to learn uh, this new system and, and really taking over the reins as quarterback? Yeah, I have. I actually went this summer. Every year I try to get back to BYU and do a few workouts with the team. Um, and I was able to go back and throw with Taysom. I actually knew Taysom's older brother, Jordan, pretty well when we were both coming out of high school. And he was a big BYU recruit when I was getting recruited by BYU. So I kind of know Taysom's family a little bit. So I, I have spoken to Taysom. I've thrown with him before. I've talked to him a little bit about quarterbacking. You know, Taysom is such an unbelievable physical specimen. I mean, it's, I, you know, I've been in the NFL for six years and been around a lot of football players. He's an unbelievable athlete, and he has a lot of talent. And I've just tried to talk to him about some of the things that if, when I was a younger player, if I would have known earlier. Um, my situation was unique at BYU because there was coaching changes happening so fast. We changed offenses so many times. One time, one season, uh, you know, Gary Croton was the head coach, quarterback coach, and offensive coordinator. And there were times during our season where, you know, quarterbacks, we weren't doing drills on the side or we weren't, you know, having a coach in meetings with us. We would just watch tape by ourselves. So a lot of the stuff that I learned with stuff I had to do on my own. And I always kind of looked at the guys that kind of had a veteran guy in front of them or a coach that really knew the system well to coach them because you just progress so much faster. So I've always felt like if I can help those guys out, I want to because I know what it's like to be there trying to be the quarterback at BYU where there's a lot of pressure to perform at a high level. And, you don't, and you're, like, you're not really getting the best you know, coaching. You're not really progressing that fast because it's just, there's so many other factors. So with Riley, I did the same thing. And, you know, I just try to give him little things here and there, not too much to think about, but just like the little things that can make a big difference. And Taysom picks up on him really fast. And when I threw with him this summer, I was very impressed of what type of thrower he was for the type of athlete he is. You don't see that very often. That combination is very rare. And I know that they started out the season having a little bit of struggles in the passing game. But if you know the passing game and you see what's happening – they're really a lot closer than how it may look. Um, it, it's not really going to take more than just a couple games of things clicking, and all of a sudden, boom, it'll just take off. John Beck, former BYU Cougar quarterback and really a hero in that BYU-Utah uh, series. We appreciate the time, my friend, and I'm just going to throw this out there. For the sake of all Jacksonville Jaguar fans, I hope that team calls you. 
because I think you could help them and in a hurry. I also, hope you get a better team, but I want you to be right. in the league. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Yeah, seriously, if you guys want an honest answer from me, I hope Jacksonville doesn't. I've already, I've already been through that experience. And I tell you what, the absolute worst feeling you can have as a quarterback is going through the week of practice, trying to give it your all. You get back in your truck in the evening to drive home. And you know, even though you're trying to hide it and convince yourself otherwise, you know your team's crappy. Oh, man. That is not, that's not a fun feeling. I try to go out there and play pro football confidently. It's just it's a tough one. But I will say this, though. I've often wondered, why have I gone through some of these things? Maybe some of the lessons I've learned that you only learn by being in hard situations. Hopefully, if something can happen in front of me, and maybe it puts me in another tough situation, I've had to learn some really hard lessons being in those situations. And sometimes in the back of my head, I think maybe I can help a team in a situation like that because that's, that's something that I've experienced and I kind of know what you can and can't do and what hurts you in those situations. So, I mean, heck, if they call, I ain't going to turn them down. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a hard situation to be in. I really hope John gets another shot in the NFL. He just needs the right fit. He, he got drafted to a terrible scenario, and it's kind of bounced around. So I hope he finds the right fit and gets one more shot. I learned so much from that interview, Jerem. The insight on the Eric Weddle story and what they were really talking about was something I'll never forget. Yeah, he's huge into fishing. They're talking about fishing. And I love that he said, no, I wasn't going to go with Eric Weddle. <laughs> and then, Even though they're friends. And then the series is over. And he's like, ah, I guess we can go fishing. As they're like, have their arms around each other. They're walking out the field. That picturesque moment, a great moment between uh, And two- a classy move yeah. by Eric Weddle to be where you finally got one. They had, they had lost four in a row. Five in a row won't happen! I, I, believe, the quote from Eric, I, I believe the quote from Eric was... You know what? I feel like they probably needed that more than I did. The number one play on our top 50 plays show in BYU football history. On Black Friday, join us tomorrow, BYU Sports Nation, as we dive inside the past and the legend of Kyle Van Noy, his upbringing in Reno, Nevada. And uh, just, it's Thanksgiving, so time to give thanks. On our on this day of Thanksgiving, thanks to producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Chaline, production assistants, Alan Miller and Spencer King, and always our engineer, Aaron Evans. Hey, Aaron, bringing it. Check out our new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and much more like and comment at your heart's desire. You can listen to episodes of the show on demand at byuradio.org. Hope you're enjoying a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of food, watch a lot of football, and enjoy that family time. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Any final thoughts, Jerem, before we get off the air? I am grateful for BYU. Sports Nation. Well said. As am I. My friends, we'll see you tomorrow.